Amen. Well, I don't even think that we're at the point anymore where I need to introduce this guy. He's been with us for so long and come back so many times and uh, is such a fan favorite here that um, that introductions really aren't needed anymore. But I'm, I'm so proud to have him each year. Um, we've been friends for so, so long, well over 30 something years. But um, here's what's remarkable. Uh, Johnny started at Faith Assembly in Orlando well over 20 years ago with his wife, Jamie, and the youth pastor there for a long, long time and uh, earned great favor and influence and uh, really became a force in the nation of uh, youth pastors and youth ministries and really uh, an admired youth ministry for um, many, many people were able to kind of look to him. Uh, to see how to really explode your youth ministry. And he became the executive pastor there. And then back in January of this year, uh, some of you might remember, Lisa and I got to fly out and be a part of his first Sunday as lead pastor of Faith Assembly, which is a church. Yeah, it's amazing um, how God has not only uh, used him for all these years, but is really changing the face of that church. And it's, a, it's an already influential church, and it's becoming even more so. And uh, I love that he takes time out and makes it a priority to be with us. And so uh, I'm awfully thankful for that. I know you guys are thankful that he's here. So give him a big, huge round of applause, Pastor Johnny Wilson. Oh, man. Thank you, Pastor Chris. And uh, what's up, Summit fam? I'm sorry. Uh, some of you might be newer around here because I didn't get to come in 2021. And so uh, some of you might be newer and you're like, who's this guy that thinks he's part of us? It's true. I think I'm part of you. So just I'm sorry you'll have to own me. But uh, no, I love when I get to be here with the Summit fam and get to uh, get to share. Uh, we've had this one circle on the calendar for a minute. And I do want to say um, how special you are your lead pastors are to us. Uh, tell you what, that first Sunday that I spoke as the uh, first time as our lead pastor of our church, to have them out there in the crowd that weekend, just was, it was just so special to me. So thank you for loaning them to us on that weekend. But can we show some appreciation and love? I know you love your, your lead pastors, Pastor Chris and Leah. We, we love them so much too. Amen. Did I get that right? That amount of applause, that good? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, let's just jump into this Word today. Um, I, I did feel like this is what God would have me share today uh, as, as I take these assignments serious. Like this isn't just, uh, you know, I'll just come and kind of share something. But uh, I did feel like this is what God would, would have us look at today. So if you have a copy of God's Word, you can go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, also Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have... Um, a copy of God's Word with you, or you don't have it on your phone there to turn it on, uh, it'll be, of course, on the screens as well. But um, let's, let's look at this passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll look at verse 7. 2 Timothy 1 and uh, verse number 7. It's kind of a familiar verse, but it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Let me read it one more time. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, uh, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Now, uh, I'm going to preach today on the thought of fighting with fear, fighting with fear. Matter of fact, let's pray one more time. I know we are like, we already prayed. Let's pray one more time, just God's fresh anointing on this word and that God, uh, it's not just for me to pray that, that maybe God would use me to speak for him, but it's also, let's, why don't you take this opportunity, pray and say, God, speak to me. God, let my heart be ready that I would not just hear a word, but it would just change kind of who I am. It would change my spiritual DNA. You do know that that's the point. That's why we show up on something like this, right? Not just to sing a couple songs, although worship is incredible. God bless the worship team. Wasn't that awesome today? One more. Yeah, I love it. I was loving it. I actually have an interpretive dance to God's great dance floor that I was going to step out and do, but I didn't. But no, the worship was fabulous. But we don't just show up. Uh, just to sing some songs and just to hear a story and make us laugh, make us cry, and we go home. No, we're, we're hearing the word of God so that it gets a part of like our spiritual DNA and it affects the way we live life. So that's, why, that's what you'll pray for, and I'll pray that God will help me uh, just be obedient to him. So let's pray together. Father, anoint this word today, and I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church Lord, we're, a lot of us are walking through stuff that maybe the person sitting in our row doesn't even realize we're walking through. And so I just pray that today would be a day of uplifting. It would be a day where your word would give us faith and it would just change our outlook. It would change our, our walk. Uh, it would change our life. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. okay, amen. Yeah. Um, we'll go to Matthew 14 in a moment, but there was a, a night, this is several years ago, that me and my wife were uh, in bed, almost drifting off to sleep. Usually I fall asleep faster than, than she does. Um, and so it was one of those nights that happened. I was, I was already ready to go to sleep. And so um, I was sleeping, and then she was a, a kind of semi-awake next to me, and she kind of like pushes me and like bumps me like to wake me up. And so I said, yes, dear, what's, what can I do for you? Or, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't remember the exact, it was a couple years ago. Um, but I said, what? And then she said, did you hear that? And then I said, no. And then I rolled over to go back to sleep because I didn't hear it. Whatever it is she heard, I didn't hear it. And so then we lay there for a little while longer. And then I get another bump. This one seemed to maybe a little bit more um, forceful than the previous bump. And then she goes, there it is again. Did you hear it? And I said, no, I didn't hear it. That time I did hear it, but I told a fib, okay? Uh, I said, no, I didn't hear it. And then she's like, it's in the garage. And I said, well, go check it out. And if you're not back in 10, no, I mean, this, I'm, I'm not, I didn't just say go check it out. I said, if you're not back in 10 minutes, then yeah, I'll come and see what's going on. And uh, she didn't think that was a good plan. So we came up with plan B, which was more that she stay in bed and I go investigate the garage. So I went to go investigate the garage. And when I got out to the garage, I saw what had happened. One of our kids had left our garage door up when they came home. And so now it was a wildlife preserve in my garage. And so uh, one of the animals that was in there was a raccoon. And uh, he was in our trash can at that time. And, and I, I have a really hate, hate relationship with raccoons. Like it's just always, I don't like them. And so I get out there and I just want to close my garage and go back to bed. And I don't want to do that unless I get him out of the garage. And so I start making, I don't know, I don't speak raccoon, but I start making whatever sounds I think would communicate to a raccoon. You don't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. Like, I don't know how to do it. So I just start going, ha, 
go. Like I start, I, I, I revert to English. Like sounds aren't working. Maybe English will work. So I, would you please leave? Like I'm trying all these things and he's not going anywhere. He's still just like, just like all up in the trash. So then I'm, I'm like, I, I got to get something to get his attention. So I start looking around my garage and I see a broom and I think, man, this broom is going to do the trick. And so I start to then go after this raccoon with this broom. As I start to move towards him, I expect him just to scurry off into the darkness, learning his lesson not to mess with me anymore. Uh, that's not what happened. When I start to move towards him, he looks at me with this look that says, you want some of this? <laughs> and I'm starting to wonder, maybe I don't want some of this. I'm not sure. He, he ri- raises up on his uh, back clawy paws, puts his front paws out and gives me a, a good old like, like, like warning, like you better think twice. And I tell you what, I started thinking twice. I mean, I was scared of him. And I, people say this about moments like this, when you're encountering wildlife, they'll say, they're just as scared of you as you are of them. And I was sitting there praying, I hope that's the truth because I am very scared of him and he's very scared of me. And I know what some of you are thinking, oh, I'd have known what I would, I would have just went and got my gun and taken care of it. I know how some of you roll, but that's not how I didn't have that access there at the house. And so that's why I'm there with my broom. And as I'm standing there, the thought occurs to me that here we are, these two creatures, we're interacting and reacting with one another, both from the same place both from a place called fear. Because fear comes to us as a spirit. That's what we just read. First first Timothy, right? That God's not given us, what? A spirit of fear. Fear comes as a spirit. Fear is a, let's say it this way, fear is a spiritual attack. Fear is a spiritual battle. And so now we are, we're both here and it's affecting our interaction. It's affecting our reaction with one another. Finally, he decided to leave and I got to close the garage and go back to bed. And by the time I get back to bed, my wife is asleep. She doesn't even realize the kind of, the kind of chivalry that's going on. She doesn't realize that I've put my life on the line for her. But it's all awesome. But did you know the most common command in Scripture... Like the command that shows up more than all the other commands. The most common command in Scripture is not to love one another. The most common command in Scripture is not to have integrity or a pure heart or a holy life. The most common command in Scripture is not a warning against pride or not even to give. Like that's not the, the most common command that we find in Scripture is fear not. It's almost as if God knew that this spirit of fear thing was going to be an issue for us. And certainly in the world that we are all facing now, some of us have been alive long enough to know that this thing's going in some really unusual directions. And man, just like that, right, that spirit of fear can come upon us. Just like that, we can start to, it can start to affect our outlook. It can start to affect our our actions, our reactions. It can start to affect the way we're we're doing life when that spirit of fear comes on us. So I want to talk about how to fight with fear. It's important that we fight with fear. Matthew chapter 14 is one of those times, one of those times there was warnings in scripture that that most common command in scripture shows up to fear not. Matthew 14 verse 20. Let me read this narrative and then we'll kind of break it down. We'll, we'll take a few minutes and look at it. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the bow and go ahead of him to the other side of the lake. And while he dismissed the crowd, 
After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And so shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear, spirit of fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. There it is, that command to fear not. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus says, come, just one word for, for quite a journey, but he's just like, all right, come. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. And when he saw the wind and he was afraid and he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and, and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Now, I, I like this passage of scripture. It does include that command to, to fear not. And then I also like it because we see fear kind of appearing and reappearing in this passage of scripture. And I think some of the disciples in how they are processing fear, some, in some of the cases the wrong way in this passage of scripture, I think we're guilty of the same thing. So I think we can learn some things about how to fight with fear as we look at what fear does to the disciples because it does the same things to us. As we figure out how to fight with fear or why, maybe why we're fighting with fear, um, I'd say one of the reasons why we're fighting with fear is because fear always defies the sovereignty of God. Fear defies his sovereignty. Fear will tell you God's not really in control, right? That's what fear will start to do. We, we see it happen here, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus makes his disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side. After he dismissed them, Jesus goes up on the mountain by himself. He's praying later that night. He's there alone, and the boat's a considerable distance from uh, the land, and now a storm comes, and the waves are going, and the boat is rocking, and the wind is against it, and this is where they're at. Now, here's the thing for us Christians, is sometimes we have had the misunderstanding that says this, that if we come to Jesus, and if we kind of live a life that Jesus wants us to live, then everything is just going to be perfect from that point on. I mean, it's going to be nothing but sunshine and butterflies just twirling around and birds singing. And uh, like nothing's ever going to, everybody's going to be healthy. Everybody's going to be happy. No one's ever going to fight in your family. Your kids are going to be perfect. If you'll just come to Jesus, everything will be great. And you know what? That's not Christianity. Like, that's not what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, he promised, he said, you will have tribulation. You will have, that's John 16. He said, this is the one thing I want you to know. You shall have, you shall have a tribulation in your life. So Jesus never promised that everything was going to be perfect. And sometimes we can get that mistake to think that if things are starting to go wrong, things must be going wrong or we, or we see it in someone else's life. We see somebody else going through a storm, and what do we often think? Oh, they must be in disobedience to God. Look at what they're walking through. Can I just point out that the disciples here go through a little bit of a storm, go through an opportunity for the spirit of fear to come on their life. They go through it not because they were in disobedience. They go through it because they were obeying what Jesus told them to do. 
Did you, did you miss it? When it said Jesus made them get into the boat to go to the other side of the lake. And so they said, yes, sir, Jesus. They get into the boat and they start going. And because, because they did what Jesus told them to do, now they're in a storm. But see, fear will tell you, no, like God must not be in control anymore. Look at what you're facing. Look at what you're going through. There must be something more going on. This happened to the disciples in the previous storm too. The storm before this storm, right? Because they were on boats a lot. This one's found in Mark chapter 4. It's the storm before this one. And it says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. This is Jesus. They take in the boat. And there were also other boats with them, and a furious squall comes up. The waves broke over the boat. This is the one before the storm we're, we're reading about in, in Matthew 14. The waves broke over the boat, and so they were nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him, and they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Look at that kind of question. Like, they should have known. Of course Jesus cared about them. But this is what fear does to us. Some of us have done the same thing where we shake our fists at God and say, God, don't you see what's going on down here? And of course we know God sees what's going on. Jesus, don't you know what I'm going through? Of course he knows what we're going through. But fear will make us defy his sovereignty. Fear will make us question whether or not God is really in control of my life. So could I just be the voice piece of God right now and say, God has got you. God knows what's going on. God's in control. God's in control of this, uh, of, of, of your life. He's in control of your home. He's in control of this church. He's in control of this city. He's in control of our nation. He is. He's sovereign. Don't let fear talk you out of that. Fear is managed when you remember that God is in control and sovereign in your life. Another reason why we fight fear is because fear will distort our perspective. Like fear will start making us see things that maybe somewhere in our heart and spirit we know is not true, but yet it'll, it'll mess with the way, it'll mess with our outlook. It'll mess with our perspective. Look at verse 25. Shortly after dawn, Jesus goes out to them walking on the lake. I love this part. And then when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. You want to talk about a spirit of fear. Because you would think that the presence of Jesus, remember, they'd been through storms with Jesus, where Jesus would just go out and just go, the, the one we read about in Mark just now, that one ended up with him going out and say, peace be still, and it just stops. So if you're in a storm, in a boat without Jesus, and Jesus is coming towards you, that would be a cause for celebration. That would be a cause for, yes, here he comes, but that's not what happened. They see Jesus walking on the lake towards them, and they were terrified. It's a ghost. They said, and they cried out in fear. Now, here's my question. Why didn't they recognize Jesus? I mean, he was coming out in the same form. This wasn't a spiritual form of Jesus. This was just Jesus. Same face, same hair, same clothing that they just left him in. And now he's walking. Why didn't they recognize him? I'll say this. They didn't recognize him because they weren't looking for him. I just think if somebody was just looking for Jesus in that moment and Jesus starts to come, you, if you're looking for Jesus, you don't call Jesus a ghost. If you're looking for Jesus, you don't, when Jesus starts to show up in your situation, when, when, when you're looking for him, you don't, you don't get terrified. Instead, no, it, it causes confidence. It causes faith to come. But that's what fear will do. Fear will distort your, your perspective. See, faith and fear, it, those things can't stay. They can't live in the same heart. They can't live in the same mind. And so I want to be the kind of person 
that when the storms comes, right, and the, the waves are coming up on the boat and the boat is rocking and we go, man, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I want to be the kind of person that's up on the edge of the boat just going, I know that it's crazy right now, but just hold on. And everybody go, what are you looking for? I'm looking for Jesus because I do know this. I know this, that if I'm going through a storm, Jesus is probably on his way to me. I want to be the kind of person that when the diagnosis comes and it would scare most people, I want to be out on the edge of the boat just waiting for Jesus because he's getting ready to show up. When my spouse says something to me that kind of rocks my world a little bit, I want to be out on the edge of the boat looking because I know Jesus is going to, when my kids don't come home on time or they still, they didn't come home at all last night, I want to be the kind of person that's on the edge of the boat going, I don't know if I understand all the storm I'm going through, but I do know this, Jesus is getting ready to show up. Amen. I want to be looking for Jesus, yeah. And that, that, that could be our outlook. And that could be our perspective. Now, if, if you listen to fear in your life, it won't be. If you listen to fear, it'll, it'll distort your perspective. It'll distort your outlook. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, though, said it. We live by faith, not by sight. I'm not living by what I see. I'm not living by uh, the turmoil that's going on that everybody else can look at my life and go, man, it looks like you, your life is a mess. It might look like that from your vision, but I see things through faith. And I'm telling you, Jesus is on his way to come through for me. That's the kind of faith I want to live with. I heard one story cracked me up about a, a, a little kid. His dad said, could you go out to the sun? He said, go out to the back porch and, and get the broom. And uh, there wasn't a raccoon out there or anything. He just said, go get the broom. <laughs> and, uh, and, but the back porch was dark. And so this little boy, he hated to go on the back porch at night because it was dark. And so he said, oh, Dad, do I, I don't want to. He's like, I'm scared. And he goes, don't worry, son. Jesus is out there on the back porch. So just go get the broom. So the son musters up all the strength he has, and he walks through the kitchen. He gets to the back door, the porch door, and he opens up that back door. He leaves his body inside the kitchen, the, the well-lit kitchen, and he sticks his arm out into the darkness of that back porch. And he goes, Jesus, can you hand me that broom? <laughs> That, that's the kind of faith. Somebody tells me Jesus is on the way, then I want to be like, okay, where is he? Like, I, I know he's here because someone told me he's on the way. G fear will try to take that perspective away from you. That's why we got to fight with fear. Fear also will derail our progress. We start to make a few steps forward, even in our faith. We start to make steps forward in our, in our uh, sanctification. We start to make a few steps forward in our relationship with God. And we can look back and go, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm living more for God. Or I understand who God is. I understand God's calling on my life more now than I did a year ago. Well, you know what Satan will do in that moment? Satan will send some fear, the spirit of fear, because fear will often derail your progress. We see, we see the same thing happen to the disciples here. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to believe. I was, I was calling it a ghost a second ago, but if it is you, Jesus, then invite me to come out on the water with you. And so Jesus says, come. So Peter gets down out of the boat, and he walks on the water, and he goes towards Jesus. Look at that kind of faith. Look at all the fear is gone now. Peter's walking on the water towards Jesus. And even though he had a moment of victory over fear, does not mean it's a lifetime of victory over fear. Because he's now walking on water. He's had victory over his fear that he was terrified a moment ago. And now he's walking towards Jesus. And yet fear still creeps back in. 
So one victory over fear does not mean my life now is free from fear. It's a fight I'm going to be in all the time. So he's walking towards Jesus, and then he sees the wind, and he's afraid, and he begins to sink, and he cries out, Lord, save me. I guess I would kind of say it this way. Like sometimes we get in church, and this is kind of like the boat, and we're like, yeah, no, I want faith, and I want to... I, want, I don't want to have fear, and I want to be spiritual, and I want to go after Jesus and whatever. And then I think like maybe Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday when we're kind of like trying to do life, that's kind of like outside the boat stuff. And sometimes we can conquer fear here, and then we get out of the boat, and then fear's still out there too. You've got to conquer it here, and you've got to conquer it there as well. And so uh, fear will mess with our, our, our progress. I guess here's one way that I would think that we could fight that. Um, and, I, and I say it this way. Um, we flew uh, all day yesterday to get here from, from Florida. And um, on the flight, I got to sit by my wife on most of the f- flights that we were on. Um, but um, one, I, I, I didn't. I sat by somebody else. And it reminded me, I, I was on a flight a few years back on my way to, to preach a camp, I think, or something. I was flying by myself. And uh, uh, this lady was flying next to me. And from the very beginning of the flight, it was very obvious that she was uh, terrified of flying. I mean, you were talking about a spirit of fear. It was on her. I was ready to just cast the demons out of her right there. Like, we hadn't even taken off yet. She's getting that seatbelt, like, as tight as she can. And she's holding on, whatever. And we we haven't even moved yet. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun one. And uh, I had, I think I had uh, headphones in at that point. So I was, I was kind of just other, kind of in a different place, but I was, was sitting next to her. So we, we, we start to take off and she's very, very scary during the takeoff. I'm kind of whispering silent prayers for her. Lord help her. It's, everything's going to be fine. Um, we get in the air. And when you know, this is one of the flights where we do have some turbulence. <laughs> and so it kind of starts mounting around. And when it does, I mean, she loses it. And she just kind of lets out a, a little bit of a, a yelp, like loud enough for me to hear it through my earphones. And then she reaches over and she grabs my arm, like super tight, like whew, just latches on. And I'm looking at her like, ma'am, we don't know each other like this. <laughs> I'm a preacher and married. I can't be like, I can't be having holding hands with like some other strange lady on the plane. She's got a hold of me so tight. And then the, the, the plane kind of settles in and she peels her nails out of my flesh and she says, I'm sorry. And I was like, no, it's all right. Everything's going to be fine. I kind of tried to calm her down a little bit. And then the thought hits me. I'm like, I wonder where she's going. Like, I wonder who she's going to see. Like, where is she going and who is she getting ready to be with that she is willing to suffer this kind of manifestation of fear to experience what she's getting ready to I'm thinking she, whoever she's going to see, she must love them way more than she hates flying or else she wouldn't have got on the plane. Here's my question. I think sometimes we allow the manifestation of fear to be in control of our life because we don't understand our destination. If you'll understand where God is taking you, if you'll understand where God, what, what God is doing in your life, and I'm talking about, yes, here on this earth, but let's even get broader and go, heaven. Like when we talk about where, where, where this whole thing ends up, when we understand our destination, what do we really have to fear here on this earth? When we understand our destination, we'll overcome the manifestation of fear. But when fear takes over, it'll start to derail our progress. It'll cause us to misstep. 
It'll cause us to look around. It'll cause us to sink. Fear will make you sink. And faith, faith will make you rise. Last one would be this. Why would we, why we would fight fear? Because fear decreases our faith. Like that's enough right there. Like that's a, that's a huge motivation to fight with fear is because fear will always destroy, will always be destroying my, my faith. So verse 29, when Jesus says to come and Peter gets down, he walks on the water, sees the wind and the waves, he's afraid, he begins to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches out his hand and he catches him. And look at what Jesus said. He said, you of little faith. That part cracks me up that Jesus says, you of little faith. Because Peter gets uh, reprimanded by us modern day Christians where we go, oh man, he gets out of the boat and everything's fine. And then he gets scared again. He starts to sink. Oh, he's got such little faith. But you know, like there were other disciples that were still in the boat. You don't talk about little faith. <laughs> like you'd have still been in the boat, right? So he had, he had, he had some faith because he stepped out on the water. Uh, but yet Jesus goes, ye of little faith. And then he goes, why did you doubt? That word doubt in the Greek, it's an important word. It's, it's original meaning. It means that I've come to a place and I have two different paths that I get to choose. That's what that, the, that word doubt in the Greek means. It means I've got to figure out now which one I'm doing. So Peter is walking by faith, and then he allows that door of doubt and fear to open up again, which then puts him in that position of going, well, maybe I'll get off the road of faith, and I'll, I'll, maybe I'll choose this road of, of fear. And just even that moment of questioning, that's what doubt means. We have that opportunity almost every day. We have that opportunity every time something starts to go a little bit odd. Every time there's yet another bad news on, on what the economy's doing, or every time they, we drive by the gas station and it's up again, we start to think. Every time, uh, you know, it seems like I'm, I can't find the right job, or I'm, I'm, I didn't get the promotion, or I, I lost my job, or I have that doctor's. Every time something in life, we just always have that chance to go, do I want to stay on this path of faith? Or do I want to, do I want to let fear, do I, do I want to doubt and, and start to consider this path? And I'm, I'm going to say this, every chance you get, do your absolute best to choose faith. Because when you choose fear, it will, it will, it will destroy your faith. I heard it said, said this way, and I like this. Fear is nothing more than just confidence in the devil. I mean, if faith is confidence in God, which it is, then fear does nothing more than just, it's just basically confidence in the devil. I don't, I don't know what everybody here is, is walking through. And I guess if I ended this message right here, right now, it'd be kind of a bummer because we would just be like, the message would be this, like fear is really bad and it does a lot of bad things. Sorry, have a great week. <laughs> Can I end really quick with just three kind of things to do with this? And it's, it, it's still from the same passage. Uh, first one, because it's in verse 27, Jesus tells them, don't, don't be afraid. He says, take courage. I like that. I like that verbiage, like take courage. Because sometimes we go, I don't, I'm not very courageous. I know, take it. Yeah. Just decide to be. Just decide to look at all of the problems and all the mess and just, decide, just take courage out of it. And just go, no, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be healed. My family is going to be okay. The devil's not going to get my kids. My marriage is going to make it through this. Just take some courage. Like just go for it. 
Did you know that we, we, we're born with only two innate fears? There's only two that are like automatic. It's a loud noise. Like these are two things that a, that a baby will react to. A loud noise, a fear of a loud noise, that's innate to us. And the fear of falling. So you could take a baby and, you know, they'll do that. And they'll make that face. They're like, ah. Oh. So those, those two fears are the two, only two that we're born with. And all the other fears that we have are learned. And if all the other fears are learned, then with Jesus' help, those fears can be unlearned. Amen? Yeah. So let's take courage. Let's make a decision. Take courage. Second thing that we're going to do with this, move closer to God. Cry out to God. That's what Peter does as he starts to sink. Peter's moving towards Jesus. As he starts to sink, he cries out to Jesus. Listen, that's always a good answer. When you're facing fear, when you're laying there at night and the anxiety and the worry is so strong on your heart and your life, you go, I don't know what to do. Move close to Jesus. I mean, begin to worship. Begin to cry out for God, for God's presence to be strong in your life. Third thing would be this. Clarify Christ in your life. Like, again, maybe, maybe you, you, you take promises of the word of God and you, you clarify those over your life. That's what happened when, when they stepped back into the boat. Look at what the disciples said. They said, truly, you are the son of God. I just, I just like that statement, that clarity. Like Jesus was like, yeah, I know. Like I already knew that. But they're saying it. Why? Because fear was defeated. Yes. So clarify who Jesus is in your life. Maybe somebody needs to do that today. Like, like, like put your life, put your faith on Jesus. Let's do this. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody, nobody looking around. And as we are here in the presence of God, I just sense so much that he's here. Maybe you're here today and you're outside a relationship with Jesus and I'm just going to pray for you and you would just say just simply, like it's, it's between you and God, but um, I, I want to pray for you. You just say, I'm outside a relationship with God. My life's not my, built on him uh, and uh, I want that to be the case. I want to give my life and set my life on belief on Jesus and who he is and I've not done that or I, maybe I've fallen away from God. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand so I'll, I'll pray for you? Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. Thank you. I need, I need to make my relationship with Jesus right today. Yeah. Thank you, guys. How many would say this, and I know there's going to be more of us, would say, you know what, this, this word was probably for me because, uh, man, that spirit of fear, I've been battling it. I've been fighting with it, and I need to choose faith today. I've been battling with fear. Let me see your hand if that's you. As I just, oh, that's what I thought. Yeah. All right. Let me pray for you. Again, I would invite you to pray for you as well. And we'll dismiss. Father, in Jesus' name, you are, you are so good. Your love for us is indescribable. And I pray for each and every person that is taking part in this service. And I pray, God, that you would minister to them in a very real way. I would right now just come against, by the power of, of who Jesus is, by the power of his shed blood, I would just come against a spirit of fear and bind it and cast it off right now of every life, of every heart, all fear in all of its manifestations, all the worry, all the anxiety. I just command it to be gone. And we, we as Christians, we just decide, we, we take courage. We move towards you, Jesus. And we, we, we see this world through the eyes of faith. We walk by faith, not by my sight. 
And so I thank you for that. Lord, for those that just signified they need to get right with you today. I pray that today would be a day of belief. It would be a day of repentance, a day of turnaround. And God, you'd put them on a path of amazing, fruitful growth in all things that you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.